Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Um, it's late in the evening. It's dark outside. It's chilly. But luckily, we have in front of us Lisa Broderick, who's got a beaming smile, is going to bring happiness, life and joy into our lives. She's going to talk about time, 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 time. That's not a very good song about time, but you know where I'm coming from, Lisa. Hi and welcome to Resilience Unraveled. (laughs) Russell, thanks so much for having me. There's a better song and that is, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody care? <laughs> but that's no, it's not that's Chicago. Good, yeah, that's true. But but I can't hear you singing that. That just sounded like recitation. Yeah, recitation would be better. I wouldn't subject you to my singing. <laughs> it's lovely to meet you. And I'm guessing by the accent, you're um, not from these climbs. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I am an American and I was born and raised here in uh, America. I uh, grew up in both, my parents were New Yorkers, but moved to the, the Midwest or the Southwest when I was very young, Arizona, where I was born. And actually it's related to the book in the sense, and that is while in Arizona in visiting a resort, which is in Northern Arizona, had a death experience, which is quite profound. You know, the out of body, seeing your body and oh, not really? being able to, because you should not have been alive type of experience. That was yeah. at the age of four. And the details, if anybody wants to get into them, I, I was jumping on a bed and the bed rolled away and I went through a plate glass window head first. Ooh. So yes, it was quite something, 25 miles from the nurse medical facility, taken there, I remember the whole thing. And after that, I, I would say that my view of life changed. Now in all fairness, having studied memories since then for the last 50 years, memories grow and change and they may have been informed, but I have a very distinct memory of the event of being awake of knowing what the room was in, where I was being operated on, all of these things. Really? And then suddenly I was back in my body, but the world was more alive, so alive. And I was a little girl full of life. And of course, animals and trees and bugs are alive. But more than that, I discovered I had a special relationship with time. And I would dream about slow down time. I would be doing track and field as, you know, in, a, in at the ages of six, seven and eight and slow down the field, much, much like we hear athletes do today. And I began to use it. I began to think of it as a superpower. And so then I went on with my life and learned to meditate. But I always remembered these experiences. And then I wrote a book on how to slow down time. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, you said earlier you weren't a great salesperson. Listen to that great, big, fantastic pitch. That was great. I mean, you know, <laughs> it almost needed a round of applause. Doesn't anyone, Cheers, doesn't everyone want to slow down time? <laughs> what if you could go back in time? What if you could fix the mistake? What if, if you I could, could turn travel? back time 
Hey. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And cool. So come on, let's get into this. Then. So, um, so, so a lot of people come on here and talk about these sorts of things. Um, I've got a different sort of background to yours and, and you've got quite a hard sort of hard edge commercial background. Is that fair to say? And you're, you're not just sort of sitting there doing woo woo stuff for the sake of it. You're, <laughs> this is all based on proper things, isn't it? This is based on, I was always trained as an economist and economists study data, the data of human beings doing things in order to figure out why they did them or project them in the future. So that was one thing clinically minded. And then I moved into the business world, but I wanted to, I wanted to work on something where people who might be skeptics could believe it also. And so I dove right into quantum mechanics alongside spiritual traditions to really combine the two. Yeah, that's good. And some of the spiritual traditions are just, um, parables or metaphors or something but i think i think people know they can slow down time and they know that time speeds up around them because it depends on what they're doing doesn't it time is sort of contextual isn't it it is contextual it depends on what we focus on and how we focus that's that's the basis of the theory so if time if we if we know that we're able to do that it includes our mind time obviously has a, a physical component time exists because things move around because change occurs period no change no time right? But that's impossible to have no change. So we have time. With that said, there's a perception component, which are our minds, in which people know that if they focus intently, they can slow down time, they can speed up time. They're not really sure, we're not really sure how it all works. And I wanted to explain a little bit of the science behind it and give you practices to be able to do it for yourself reliably. And no doubt you've written a book to help us understand all this. Oh, yes. That is the book, All the Time in the World. Wouldn't everyone love to have all the time in the world? Okay. Okay. I would. Mercy. Yes. So you must have though. You must have. All the time in the world. Yeah. Cause you've written. I do use these. People say that I've been using these practices for 30 years. Okay. Well, tell us, a bit, tell us a little bit about the science and, uh, and uh, um, lies your approach. Well, so imagine there are two worlds. There's a world of the teeny tiny, which we call quantum mechanics, which mm-hmm. is modeled only through mathematics. And there's the big world of asteroids and cars and human beings. And I have bears outside my window and all these big things. And the two worlds, you know, neither the twain shall meet. But that's actually not true. The world of quantum mechanics is bubbling up into our everyday life. It's how we can be on this computer. It's how lasers exist. My belief is that it, as it bubbles up and we understand it more, we'll be able to control it more. And it is the basis for how we control time and in fact, reality. So how do you see advances and things like quantum computing and biometric computing and such like, do you think, do you think we'll get closer to understanding the actual mechanics of it? I think we are all the time, uh, mm-hmm. pun intended, many time puns, which is another fun thing about this subject. So in thinking about quantum mechanics, Quantum entanglement, this is the big, one of the biggest paradoxes of quantum mechanics, right? The fact that two particles, we'll be techie for a moment, could somehow exhibit the same conditions, like they're both blue, right? But one is on earth and one is in outer space. And if you turn the one on earth red, the one on outer space is immediately red also, even though it's separated by thousands of miles. How is that? And it violates the, the universe's speed limit, which is the speed of light. So quantum entanglement, now that exists, it has existed on the quantum level. Does it exist in the big world? Oh yes, Physics Magazine two months ago reported instances where quantum entanglement in the big world for big things we could see also existed. If that's true, we're gonna be able to unlock this world 
and be able to control it, be able to use it for our daily lives to a greater extent. But I also believe it's the basis for how we control time. And in fact, reality, there's something going on that we don't know and can't see or control yet, but we will. Yes. And no doubt we'll have some mad person making tons of cash out of new weapons. That's the oh, I hope that's not true. I am such a peacenik. In fact, you know, this whole this whole endeavor was so that people could live their best possible lives, you know, fulfillment and meaning. And in fact, it's interesting. The book was written before and during the pandemic, right. where time was very much at issue. So I'm a New Yorker, grew up, you know, and, and my parents are New Yorkers, as I mentioned. I lived in New York for 30 years. Time was a badge of honor, being busy. I'm so busy, I must be important, right? Then everything stops. What happened? People lost meaning. They lost their sense of identity. They're bummed out, burned out, overwhelmed, and hopeless. So many people. Well, what, it, what is it about that, that that doesn't allow them to have meaning now when they used to? They've lost their relationship to time. This book suggests that before we get back to business as usual, master time. You don't have yeah. to be a slave to time. That whole thing was a, an illusion. And in fact, Einstein suggested, said that time was an illusion. Well, ba- on the basis of this book, it truly is an illusion and use it to better your life. That's why isn't, I wrote it. Isn't it, is that an illusion or an emergent phenom- phenomenon? Well, there's a lot of different theories about that. So we have block theory of time in which every instance of time is a discrete, is a discrete block. You know, it's mm-hmm. also string theory and it's also loop quantum gravity from Carlo Rovelli, who I happen to like, and I happen to like that theory where time exists in, exc- in discrete particles like time and space yes. all at once, but it doesn't mean there's no change. And then of course, there's the, the theory of time. Time is an arrow. It flies through the air. The tip is the future and the tail is the past. And you know, you cannot change the past. That's actually not true in quantum Mm. mechanics, that the future can't influence the past. That's called the quantum eraser, a very famous experiment. So what is time? Basically, time is moving around. But if you want to get a little theoretical, time is a linear construct for this plane of existence. Yeah. Um, We've made it up. And of course, you've got space time as well, which is... Another, another thing. Anyway, so we can, we can, uh, we, we can go guess, forever. I mean, we could, could because, <laughs> because actually it's, it's, it's been, it's one of the, it's one of those fundamental human existence problems, isn't it? Time, you know, what is it, how does it work, all that sort of stuff. So, but practically speaking, I think what you've, you've also demonstrated is that, yeah, I think it was one of my very first podcasts in the first 10, 12 or something, Tony Crabb came on and talked about this idea of busyness. And it is the badge of honor that, you know, when people meet each other, they used to say, how are you? They used to say, fine. And now we say busy. And it's, it's become the word, hasn't it? And, and, yes. I think, and I think the perception is that time, there's less time, or the perception is somehow that um, we don't use time in a sort of productive way. So, right. so, so what, what are our first steps in terms of thinking about grasping time or making time slightly more within our control, if that's a thing? To, uh, the first step would be to understand this equation, which I had come up with, and that is time is one part physical and one, t- one part perception. Okay. Since the perception part is the part you can control, yeah. you can change that aspect of time, of your perception of time, and in fact, reality. So how does that so, work when you're working with more than one person? So for example, in a team of six, everyone has their own perception of the physical. They do. And so working with teams is a little bit different. This is more inner work. And as I say, all personal transformation is rooted in time. You're either stuck in the past, can't stay in the now or afraid of the future, right? So this is a much of personal work. 
What I would do with someone is spend time helping them appreciate that time is one part controllable by them, show them how in exercises it demonstrate it with science, and then give them things to do to speed up time to make life more, again, meaningful and fulfilling. Why does anybody care what time it is? Here's the answer, because we know we want to know what what is what is it that's ours to do now? What do I do now? That's why you care that it's 2 p.m. or 9 p.m. or 8.30. Otherwise, you wouldn't care. You'd be in Bali or Hawaii, like your background, and, you know, wonderfully not caring about time. But we do care because we want to know what to do. Mm. And so if we can get a grasp of what to do in terms of personal transformation, we can slow down and speed up time in order to do all the things that we want to do. So let's say... Um, we tackle one of the biggest challenges that human beings have with regard to time, which is procrastination. So what's your view around that? Well, do we have time for a a quick exercise? As long as it doesn't involve me. (laughs) It uh, does not involve me. No standing up. (laughs) It it definitely does not involve anyone standing up. What we can do right now is we could, and I work uh, in, in the, in America, I work in public safety. I work in, uh, I run a charity in police reform. So I will caveat this by saying, do not attempt this while driving. Do not close your eyes while driving and do not sit comfortably for everybody else. Who's not driving. We're going to close our eyes and sit comfortably. And for those of you who are driving while listening to this, you can go to my website and download this exercise. Should you care to. So everyone, we're going to have a quick exercise about time, about, as uh, Russell mentioned, uh, procrastination and how to solve that. We're sitting comfortably, everyone who can sit comfortably, and we can slowly close our eyes. I'll provide a bit of a narrative because I have done research around this. I actually developed this exercise partly with electrodes on my head, monitoring my brain waves to know that the different positions I was sitting in and the things that I was doing were conducive to, uh, to a meditative state, to a state where we could more, more uh, aptly and be able to control time more easily. So sitting comfortably, you can have your feet on the floor and your back straight. If you like to sit in lotus position, that's an Indian position. China and Kabbalah like you to sit straight with your arms and legs. You can sit like King Tut with your back straight and comfortably and your arms resting on your thighs, thinking about that. Now, slowly closing our eyes, just we're gonna relax for a little bit and it's late in the UK. So, you know, it's about time to be relaxed. And now we're gonna focus on breathing, special breathing where we can trigger our parasympathetic nervous system. And to do that, inhale through your nose, a regular inhalation, exhale through your mouth, a long, slow exhalation, twice as long. Inhaling through your nose, a regular inhalation, and out through your mouth, long, slow exhalation, seeing the air leave your mouth as white smoke. And inhaling through your nose. This is a long tradition of meditative practices through breathing. Exhaling through your mouth, a long, slow exhalation. Seeing the number three appear in your mind's eye in front of you in whatever way is comfortable for you. Everyone can see something in whatever way works for you. Breathing in through your nose, out through your mouth. The number three dissolves into the number two. We're counting down. In through your nose and out through your mouth. The number two dissolves into the number one. And in through your nose and out through your mouth, the number one dissolves into the number zero. We're in the time of no time, the now. For my teacher, Dr. Jerry Epstein in New York City, he used to call it that, the time of no time. Sitting comfortably, let's sit in this place for a moment. I've also learned from a hypnotist that there's a term called focused awareness 
where we focus on something to the exclusion of all other things and we make ourselves very suggestible. That's what we're doing now, sitting in this time of no time, but we're gonna have some fun. So having some fun in this way, bring to mind something that you would really like to create for yourself, something wonderful or satisfying or fulfilling. It could be as mundane as the check coming and the car being on, ready on time or your child getting into the soccer team you want. It could be world peace. I work on peace in America. I often use this exercise for that. Whatever it is, live it as a visceral movie where you see, feel, hear, sense, and know this thing is happening. This thing you want to happen, it's a wonderful movie. You're experiencing it, living it in all senses. Now let's do something to up the ante. Think about all the ways that it benefits other people, someone else, everyone involved, how what you want is to the benefit of everyone involved. So many others will benefit from this. And I'm often asked, why do I do that? And the answer is, it removes any fear that it won't happen for you. You've now just expanded it to much beyond you. There's no fear of the small self. It's for everyone involved. And if there's a sentient universe out there, it probably likes the fact that you care about other people. So it's for the benefit at all. You're living this wonderful movie. Now continue to live it viscerally as though it's happening. And now think to yourself that it just happened. It's the moment after. You've gotten the email, you've gotten the check, the car is sold, there's world peace, whatever it is, living the movie that it's already done, complete, there's nothing more to do. Feeling that sense of relief, it happened, it's all done. If you were procrastinating, it doesn't matter, it's done already. Now the brain will take over that fabulous computer, don't ponder the details, it doesn't matter who, what, when, where, why, or how, forget all that, that's not your job, it's already done. It's done, it's complete, there's nothing more to do. Now let's bring in our bodies, which are so important for sensing the world, amplifying this feeling of nothing more to do. Every cell of your body, as you could see them sort of vibrating with it. If it's a color, see a color, it's out through your entire body. The sensation, the relief, there's nothing more to do. Traveling down through your feet, filling up the entire earth, all of the cells of the earth with this feeling of completion. Finished, done, complete. Again, nothing more to do. Filling up the earth and it's filled and back through your body, right up your spine and out the top of your head in every direction. Going through the building you're sitting in, going through the solar system, the galaxy, the universe, far, far up, this feeling there's nothing more to do. And then you get to the top and then just let it go. Relax. Sit in the calmness, the relief, the feeling there is nothing more to do. And when you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes. Very good. Um, um, as a hypnotherapist myself, I recognize that as a very good technique. And you, the time distortion is one of those things that exists within that perceptional thing. It oh, does. That's very good. That's well, very lovely and very practical. And very practical. So for you, all you procrastinators, you could use that exercise because... Here's, the, here's why, Russell, and that is the, the book explores this question. Does how we show up in our minds in every moment affect mm. physical reality, in particular, our perception of time? And it answers that question with, yes, it does. Mm. So what have we just done? When we are going to, about to experience this thing that we want to have happen, whenever the phone rings or the check is supposed to come or whatever, we're different. We're different in the way the observer is different in quantum mechanics. We're observing, we have already lived the experience of it happening. 
So for one thing, if you're a procrastinator, you've circumvented that because it's already done. The relief that it's done, number one. You've removed the fear that it won't happen, also procrastination. If there is some interplay between the human mind and physical reality, you're different. You expect it to happen. And basically, we get what we expect, mostly. Now, right? and, it's and it's important to say that your book's not a time management book, and it's not a book that tells you about being efficient. It's actually the science of time, and it's about it's about your mind and your perception of time, isn't it? So it's about it is. It's, it's about so personal I, transformation. It was, yeah. So I've just yes. been on, online and bought one. Sorry about that. And um, just re reading a little, some stellar reviews, by the way, it's excellent reviews. And um, <laughs> well, so I wanted to share these theories in yeah, ways that so people us, could use practically. So tell us a bit about the book, then. It's time for you to do your thing. Oh, my goodness. So it is all the time in the world. It's a short book, a little treasure, I think of it, which begins with a, a bunch of stories, right? People love stories, a story of my life and how I came upon this, the story I told about falling through the window, but other people's stories, stories of slowed down time abound. There's a story of a police chief in it who was in a firefight, a, a gunfight like the Matrix with slowed down bullets. There are people in car crashes. Don Miguel Ruiz, who so generously wrote the foreword, tells about his experience of slowed down time and life-threatening car crash while he was in me medical school in Mexico City. All of these stories. And the question is, why are people able to slow down time in their minds? And if it's an illusion, why did they know it at the time and step out of the way of the bullet or out of the way of the steering column? If it was just an illusion, a trick of the mind, why did they have such keen perception? And the answer is what the book explores is it's not a trick of the mind. It's a brainwave state that can be achieved by anyone mm. through an exercise, which we just both did. And I call it focused perception, a term I came up with before I'd met the hypnotist. We're focusing our perception in a way that we're suggestible to ourselves, focusing on something to the exclusion of all others in that way that it, that evokes timelessness, as we just did being in the time of no time where we can live these things in advance. And as I was once told by a master teacher, it's where miracles happen. It's where genius lives. It's where the unexpected happens. The, did I really just see that? Did I really just see that wine glass fall in slow motion and catch it by the stem? Mm. This happens all the quote time, but we pick ourselves up and go on like nothing happened and we shouldn't do that. And we, and, we know, and we know it's the writing between the amygdala and the hippocampus and the hippocampus yes. uh, and such like hypothalamus. So we know it actually happens. I mean, we know that when we experience an accident, time slows down because literally the brain's taking longer to record every detail. So, That's right. You know, it's, this this is not this is not some sort of spurious old nonsense. It really actually has its roots in you know proper theory. So I'm I'm with you on that absolutely. And I think the way you've um, created this sort of um, idea around I think is really very very clever. Um, well, thank you. There's one more thing. And that yeah, is cool. I'm often asked about supernatural because I talk about death and I talk about, you know, uh, the, the Tucker book on past lives of children. How does this all happen? Yeah. There's a theory related to time that is uh, related in science and time. And it's the time it's the it's a theory about the way about waves. Right. Yeah. And how waves exist in our lives. So imagine and I use the example of two flutes. So imagine that there's paranormal phenomenon and it's all around us or even other things. I've been asked about ETs for that matter, right? Why are there things in our world that we cannot see? Imagine that those, the answer is that all of that is rooted in time. So imagine our time that we're living in in this moment is like a perfectly tuned flute and it plays a note C and we're, here, we're all hearing the note C. Imagine another flute comes in and starts playing the note C 
it is going to generate sound waves, which for a moment we will all hear. And then because of phase, phase means the synchronicity, the synchronizing of waves to one another. We won't hear the second flute anymore, but we heard it for a moment. So imagine paranormal phenomenon is the second flute or the million flutes, things happening around us at all time. Mm. And these things we cannot explain for a moment, we're out of time. For a moment, there's a phase. I've heard a phrase of, you know, time slips where people slip and, and suddenly there's no time and they, they lose time or something incredibly remarkable happens and they end up in one story was a woman on the Autobahn as a first time driver went from the slow lane to the fast lane during a car crash and went on like nothing happened mm. and lost time in between. What happened with that? Well, maybe it all has to do with time. It doesn't have to do with quote matter. And if we can control time more greatly, we can understand these things and even use them for our lives. And, and you've got a nice get out of jail free card there because you're thinking it's being physical time, perceptual time. That absolutely neatly explains that, doesn't it? So I really like yeah. that. I mean, it's quite, well, thank you. It's it is, you know, there, you, you, cannot, uh, you cannot discount the fact that time exists because things move, right? You can't just throw out the physical component of change being part of time, but that's not all there is to it. No. Scientists may think that because... In science, something is only real if you can measure it, right? So you can measure the motion, but you can't measure the perception. But if, but in quantum mechanics, that's not true. Well, right? but you can you can measure measure perception because you still got an atomic clock that you can measure it against. You so. do, and in the atomic <laughs> clock, the times will be different. You know, yeah, from Hawaii exactly. to Mount Everest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, sadly, sadly, I could talk to you all night, but sadly, <laughs> I'm going to have to let you go. I'm respectful of your time. Be, um, oh, I appreciate it's it. It's been an absolute joy. So just tell us how we can get hold of you again, um, Lisa, and that'd be great. And any other social media type contacts, go for it. Thank you. So All the Time in the World is the name of the book, and it's available at all major booksellers. And lisabroderick.com is a website. If you Google my name, Lisa Broderick, you'll find many things on social media with tips and ideas and articles. And and on the the website, lisabroderick.com is the exercise we just did. So my recommendation is download it, put it on something you can listen to in the wee hours of the morning and insert your own wonderful experience into it. And then uh, send me a call or get, or send me an email or give me a call when it actually happens. Brilliant. It's been a joy tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed it. And, <laughs> Thank um, you, Russell. All the success in the world with your new book. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You take care. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.